to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that everything is energy and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. In essence, that energy is one thing. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons, and science is just now catching up, but it isn't new science. We're talking about quantum physics, which is over a hundred years old, and at the core of quantum physics, it, it speaks about how everything is energy, and that energy is connected. So literally, what you do to another person, you're doing that to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Diving into Infinity with Paula Lentz. Welcome, Paula, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on your show. Oh, and I'm so excited to have you. You have such a wonderful story and, and journey to share with our l- listeners. Please share, um, let our listeners share all you want in as much detail as you like, your journey. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, first of all, let me point out that this part of my life I'm going to be talking about, um, it happened in 1983, but I never talked about this experience other than to two or three of my very closest friends. but. I wrote my book and revealed this part of my life in 2017. That's when my book came out, Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. And so this is just a very recently revealed aspect of who I am and this other part of my life. But as I said, it it really... um, you know, my, my brother and I were very close. He was four years younger than me. And I have a sister who's 10 years younger. Uh, this year marks 36 years ago that he transitioned from uh, his earthly life. And all along, I had, you know, these two or three friends who knew about my story. They had urged me to, you know, write a book about it. So when I retired, that's what I did. But as I said, my story really begins in 19, actually it begins in 1982. I started the year before having a recurring dream. And this dream was always the same. I was outside on some hills. People were gathering there and soon there were huge crowds. And someone came up to me and asked me what's going on. And I said, I'm not sure, but I've heard it's the end of the world. And when I said those words, um, Jesus appeared in the sky. And as soon as that happened, I just doubled over in pure agony, almost down to the ground. And I said, but I thought the end of the world was supposed to be joyous and then the dream would always end Mm -hmm. and 
I didn't know what that was referring to at that moment. So fast forward to 1983, October 7th, it was Friday, and um, I was driving my husband to a meeting that morning, and as I was driving, I, I checked the clock in the car, and it said 9 a.m., and at that moment, I began getting this uh, terrible pain over my heart area, and I didn't say anything to my husband about it, but I thought to myself, this is really weird, what is happening? And I was worried. I thought, do I have a blood clot? Am I having a heart attack? Um, the pain kind of went on for about 15 minutes. I dropped him off, and then it subsided. And then at that point, I went on down to uh, near downtown Houston mm -hmm. to the Greek festival that was going on there, and my husband was going to join me later. I was meeting friends down there. And while we were, you know, at the festival, the setting for the most part is outdoors there at the Greek Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. And you can go inside where they have the food and some other things. Um, but that's where I was outdoors for the most part. Then uh, went in around lunchtime, as I said, to uh, get some, some lunch. And as my friends and I are in there, you know, it's very crowded. Well, I look across the crowd and I see my husband. Uh, making his way toward me and I thought wow he's here early um, but maybe he just decided to take off in the afternoon and as he got closer to me I could see his face and I knew that something was very wrong I mean I had never seen him look like that before mm -hmm. and as he came up to me he put his hands on both my arms and he looked me right in the eyes and he said Donnie was killed in an accident this morning. Oh my goodness. And I just stared at him and in my mind's eye, I could just, it was as though I was seeing the earth and it was just falling, falling, falling and crashing at my feet. And at that moment, I just bent over double and I was just in pure agony uh, and pain just from uh, the sorrow and the shock of it all. But at that moment, I knew then that that's what the dream was trying to show me. It was trying to show me the circumstances and how I was going to feel uh, when I found out about this. Mm -hmm. So after that, we, of course, went to my hometown, Brian, it's like an hour and a half north of Houston, mm -hmm. um, you know, had the funeral, and I stayed on that week to help my parents with thank you cards and, and things of that nature, and so on Wednesday, which was three days after my brother's funeral, I actually was driving his personal truck because my brother was killed in a company truck. Okay. And so, and that was the only car I had access to since my husband had gone back to Houston. So I decided that day to take some flowers to my grandparents' house out in the country. And um, so I had to take my brother's truck, personal truck. And as I'm driving along by myself, I suddenly developed 360 degree vision around me. I could see everything around me as I was driving. And I'm thinking to myself, what is happening to me? Mm 
And then I realized that at my right shoulder, uh, I could see this pattern of light. And, and then I realized it was my brother. I mean, he still had his features and everything. And he was right behind my shoulder as I'm driving. And he says to me, um, I don't want you to be sad. I want you to be happy for me because he said, I want to show you a little bit of what my life is like for me now. And when he said that, I left my body and I went with him, you know, and just became really consciousness with him into infinity. Wow. And I'm, and he stayed with me through this whole experience. But once I, I became oriented into this consciousness, and it, it appeared to me as though I were out in the middle of the universe. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I felt was this huge wave of peace come over me. And it was unlike any peace I had ever known. It was huge. And the next wave that came over me was this wave of all knowledge. And I realized with this wave that came over me that I knew everything in the universe that had ever happened in the entire history of being. And then I realized that this wave of pure love was taking over. And this love was like a being or energy of pure love. And at that moment when I experienced and became part of that love, I realized and knew that everything and everyone for all time in the universe, that we are all one and we are all part of this energy of pure love. This, this energy who loves and cares about us and everything in the universe. Wow. And I just became an experienced oneness with everything. Wow. Beautiful. And I said to my brother, and I was thinking, I am home. I'm home. And I didn't, I knew I was out of my body and I didn't want to go back to my body. I had no desire to return to my life whatsoever. And I just knew I needed to go on to the next level um, in order to be able to stay there. And so as soon as I started thinking that, I immediately began to feel as though I were whooshing away very rapidly. Now, my brother is still with me this whole time. Mm -hmm. And as it seemed, I was whooshing, rushing away, uh, further away. My brother began exerting, uh, what I'll say, exerting, I think, his energy on me. Mm 
-hmm. And he said to me, no, you can't go yet. It's not your time. And he exerted his energy and I could feel myself coming back down and kind of seeing myself come back down into the truck and Mm -hmm. back into my body. And I just sort of landed. (laughs) That's how I felt. Like I landed with a thud in my body. And the very first thought I had, amazingly enough, was, wow, I feel so restricted Mm. inside this body. But I felt so at peace and I felt really warm. I mean, I actually looked at my face in the mirror and I was kind of flushed, Um, but I just felt at peace totally. Continued driving my grandparents. I took them the flowers. I didn't say anything to them about this experience because I myself didn't know what I had been through and I was still kind of absorbing it. Right. But interestingly enough, you know, I, it was as though I was viewing through my brother's eyes, the grief that my grandparents had. And I could see how people who are on the other side, they see our grief and, and, um, they don't want us to feel that way. Exactly. So it was like I was experiencing perhaps the rest of the day, even through my brother's eyes. Um, But unfortunately that didn't last for me as far as I guess uh, being okay with the fact my brother was on the other side of, of where we were, Uh, you know, the next day I kind of fell back into this full blown, grief of missing him yes and but that's the experience that I had and little did I know that really uh, that was not the end of things for me because it changed completely my consciousness of how I looked at things in life and uh, the other aspect to that is you know once I returned to my life in Houston, my brother continued to have outreach to me in a wide variety of ways and still does so to this day. May I ask how old was your brother? How old was he when he transitioned? He was 26 and I was 30 at the time Mm -hmm. uh, that this happened. My sister was 20. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 66 now, so this has been going on, his continued outreach to me uh, for, you know, 36 years. Yes. And it's, it's not really a case that he usually shows himself to me as he did previously, mm-hmm. uh, but rather he moves things. Mm-hmm. And he's always used photographs um, throughout this whole time. In fact, I had a photo, the very last photos that were taken of him was with his best friend and his sister, uh, which was like um, just a couple of days before he um, died in his Mm -hmm. accident. And the friend had given the whole family a copy of that. And uh, that that picture, which is in a little cardboard kind of frame, Mm -hmm. uh, that immediately began to be turned down you know I had it up in a certain place in in my bedroom right and I would come home from work and that 
would be turned down. And I tried any number of times to get that thing to fall down and I never could. Okay. So that was how he began trying to let me know he was around. But you know, I, I would have feelings sometimes knowing he was in the room. Right. Uh, I would just look around and go, I know my, I know he's here. Right. But physically, you know, I would come home from work and our house there, uh, there would be um, this one chair in our dining room. I would come home and at least a couple of times a week, that chair was pulled out from the dining room table. And mm -hmm. I'd ask my husband, I said, are you going in there doing anything? We hardly ever went in there. Right. And, and he said, no. But at, I realized eventually that my brother had lived with us one summer when he was uh, working in Houston. And my husband and he would get in this dining room area and play this crazy electric football game until 11 or 12. And that was the chair he always sat in. in okay, yeah. Another time I came home from work and I was walking toward our master bedroom and I, I get in the hallway there and I just stopped because in the doorway, a chair had been placed in the doorway. I couldn't get in without seeing it. It was right there. Right. And at first I thought someone was in the house and I was kind of scared. I ran outside. I waited. I walked around the house, you know, right. and and then I just thought, well, all I can think is he moved this chair. Right. Another time I came home and in the hallway, this book had flown. You could tell it had flown across the, the hallway mm -hmm. because it came, you could see where the book had been. This was in the bottom, uh, the very lowest shelf, which was at carpet level and right. you could see where the book had been. And it was lying on the, across from that on the floor. Mm -hmm. okay. And it, it was an old volume of an, an encyclopedia set that my husband had owned that we didn't even have the whole set. I don't even know why we had that little thing, but I picked up the book and it was the volume that was D for this encyclopedia set. Of course, my brother's name was Don. Mm, yes. And another time my husband and I were together in our little TV room and we're sitting there watching TV and out of the topmost shelf of this bookcase that was in there, this videotape flew out literally across to the middle of the room where we were sitting uh -huh. and landed at our feet. And we both looked at each other like, wow. what is going on here? But it was in the TV room. Mm -hmm. I realized later that um, when, when he lived with us, he and my husband would get in there and they would do crazy stuff with the video camera and video this crazy stuff. And I think that that was just a reminder, probably more to my husband than to me, about that, about him having been there. Right. You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of through the years, the kinds of things uh, that have happened in wow. terms of outreach from him. Mm -hmm. I have to point out, too, that only very recently, I mean, always before these things that were moved in terms of photographs. Mm -hmm. I was never around when that actually happened. It was already done. Well, now within just the last couple of months, I was sitting in here in my office and for the first time ever, this uh, photograph I have framed of him and another mm -hmm. photograph of my sister and he and I, 
the photo in the bookcase came down and then it pushed out this other photograph that had the three of us together. But both of the photos were with all three of us in the, mm -hmm. the framed photos. Right. And then the second thing that happened was um, another, there's a, a notification about this wall of honor deal on the top shelf. Uh, and I was sitting here at my computer one day and that just flew out across the, the across a chair toward the window. Wow. So these are the first yeah. times other than that video flying out that I've really so, been here yeah. just myself. Right. Um, right. So, you know, that being said, <laughs> um, I also had, so in my book, the last chapter, the afterward is written by a researcher, a near death experience researcher. Okay. Uh, she is a past president of IANS, which is the International Association for Near Death Studies Association. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up talking with her. I was actually trying to get in touch with Dr. Kenneth Ring uh, about this book of his I read in 1985, two years after my brother had transitioned. Uh -huh. um, but she pointed out to me when I was talking with her that all these after effects that I have had all these years, mm -hmm. you know, beyond seeing all these things that my brother does, right. that these after effects I've been having are so much more like a near death experience. And she offered, now she'd never met me before. I was just right. on the phone trying to get in touch with Dr. Ring. She offered to write this chapter for my book. Okay. And she had me take a test and this and that, but she pointed out how, you know, even though I'd had this out of body experience, mm, yes. that just so much of what was happening to me in uh, the ensuing years were just like someone who had had a near death experience. Okay. Um, and wow. well, so she, when you were describing your out of body experience with your brother, that sounded very much like a near-death experience, even though you hadn't gone through any, you weren't in an accident or in any kind of trauma. You just like, you left your, you left your body and experienced the afterlife with him. It sounded very much like a near-death experience, even though what the beautiful thing is you didn't have to go through physical trauma to experience <laughs> that. Yeah. And that's exactly what she says. In yeah in the book how um you know I, I wasn't going through that physical aspect of being actually near death right. and she even points out too in uh, the last chapter how it's it's such a um a mixture of things because there are aspects of it that's almost like a shared death experience you know mm -hmm. he he had just he's right there just with you yeah crossed over and yeah. And he was, you know, right there with me. So it's, uh, it's been pointed out that it, it, it is a very unusual kind of experience that I had with him. Yes. yes. Um, and, you know, some of the, some of the after effects, um, of course, as I said, you know, continue to this day. But, um, you know, as I mentioned, this change in consciousness that I mm -hmm. had. Yes 
right away, I mean, I was raised Baptist, mm -hmm. and I just could not return to what I'll, I'll say is um, religion versus spirituality, because I just looked at things differently. And ultimately, I ended up going to Unity Church in Houston, mm -hmm. because they are so much more into that aspect of the spirituality of, yes. of everything. Yes. And that was a huge change for me. Mm -hmm. um, and just also looking at humanity in general, yes. some of the things that we do. Uh, but the other, I guess the biggest, you know, after effect for me too, was realizing the idea of oneness with spirit, uh, um, the universe, that everything is one, and there is no separation of us. <laughs> and um, so, you know, our consciousness and what we're all going through and feeling, it's all oneness, and it's, yes. all, it's all great. Yes, yes, it's all, I, I, my term for God is all that is. Because God is the oneness and we're all interconnected with that oneness in the sense that we're not just a piece of God. We are each all of God. Um, I love Rumi's quote, um, you're not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. So each of us is the entirety of God in a drop. Like if I took, you have trillions of cells in your body. If I took a tiny microscopic cell from you, that tiny cell has all of you. Meaning, if I knew how to clone, I could take that cell and clone an identical you because all of you is in that tiny cell. So that's just like us. We are each tiny cells, holographic cells of God, meaning all of God is in each of us. So we, so yes, when I, I what awoken me to the truth of oneness was science actually quantum physics and when and it was an awakening from inside it wasn't from an intellectual level it was like you said when you were describing your your out-of-body experience and the oneness that's exactly how I felt but not leaving my body I was still here in my body uh, but I I got it like that I'm like I get this and I and, and the first thing after I got it is like why doesn't everybody get this? Just, to me, this is so simple. It's so, it's a no brainer. Now we have like ancient wisdom has been teaching it. Spirituality has been teaching it. Now even science is teaching it. Yes. That we are all interconnected. We're all one. So what, you, what you're literally doing to another person, you're actually doing to yourself. And when mankind awakens to this truth, there will be peace on earth. It'll be like heaven on earth because it will solve all of our problems. That understanding and knowing the truth of oneness will solve all of our problems. And it's so beautiful that you got to experience that. Yes, well, and I totally agree and understand, you know, what you're saying in that regard uh, because it's um, that aspect of, knowing the oneness and experiencing it 
is um, is just different than thinking about it. Yes. You, know, you, yes. you really have to reach a point where you are experiencing that yes. to totally get it uh, throughout your being, I think. Yes. And, um, you know, for me, that oneness aspect continues to to drive everything in terms of of how life and relationships and everything should be viewed and mm -hmm. felt of course i like anybody else being human <laughs> we have our moments that we fall out of that oh yes ending. oh yes Yes, yes, yes. Those trials and tribulations that come along yes. and we forget uh, or, you know, we're blocked in a moment of uh, remembering and understanding what it's all about. But, you know, as life has gone on and I've gotten older and, and I, I'm not so busy being mm -hmm. in a career uh, and uh, everything, you know, I have more time to truly feel and be a part of that and and really um i'll say practice that yes um and i'm going to come back to that idea mm -hmm. of practicing that that feeling right. i was just going to go ahead and point out a few other things in terms of the after effects that i had mm -hmm. um for example, I, I began, you know, when I would drive at night on the freeways, you know, the big lights that are along the freeways, those would start going out each time I drove past one of them. Okay. Now, eventually they would come back on, but I have the same effect on lights if I'm walking down a street at night. Wow. The lights will go out and then they'll, you know, come back on after I've passed by. Wow. And Dr. Holden had pointed out, you know, those kinds of things are um, are things that people who've had near-death experiences also experience. Um, but the other thing was, in the beginning, when people would walk into a room, I could hear their thoughts. Wow. And, and that sort of faded after time, but actually now that... Um, that has come back quite a bit in terms of I know what someone's going to say mm. right before the sentence comes out of their mouth. Okay. And I do pick up on uh, thoughts or subject matters, you know, will, will kind of come through. Right. Um, plus, I've had so much more of a greater development of my intuition. And, you know, I actually hear messages given to me. Mm -hmm. um, I have had visions of things mm -hmm. that um, might be coming up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the guidance right. I've tried to really pay attention to through the years. Um, perhaps one of the best examples I have of that is when I was still in my full-blown career days, um, and this was like, early like 2000 mm -hmm. I, I wanted to change fields in terms of the area that I had been working, working in for so many years which had been the engineering field but my 
expertise is in marketing and PR and, uh, you know, along that line. Mm -hmm. And so I was just racking my brain, you know, what can I get into that I think I'm going to like and that my experience will apply to. Mm -hmm. And I, I heard this voice in my head that said, send your resume to, and it gave me the name of this man. Okay. And this man knew me. I had worked at his company previously. He's now the president of my company, but it was another engineering. Okay. Um, I, um, for a second, I couldn't hear, um, say that again. I heard most of it, but it was like your mic went out for a second, but just say that again. So uh, you, you were told to send your resume to a particular man. Yes. And, but I thought to myself, um, why would I want to send, send my resume to him? He's with an engineering company. I don't want to go back into that field. And so I just kind of blew that off. Okay. And, but the, I kept receiving this same message in my head. Okay. Send your resume to, and so <laughs> after a couple of times of this happening, I was like, okay, I, I just need to not ignore this anymore. Right. So I did. I sent it. Yes. Well, lo and behold, this man calls me and he tells me, hey, I sit on the board of directors for this association. And he said, we are looking for a new executive director. And he said, I think you would be absolutely perfect for this. Wow. And it's a, it's a big regional uh, association in Houston. Okay. And so he said, I want you to get the job description and I want you to apply. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay. So I did that. And of course... Uh, they had a whole series of, of uh, interviews and, and all this. And, right. But I was selected for the job. And that was the last position I held when I wow. retired. And I absolutely loved it. That's it. Uh, and I was so perfect for the job and the knowledge background that I had did it perfectly. And it was the very best and highest of my career. Wow. It was so wonderful. And I say to myself now, what if I had not listened? Listened. See, I, I believe that's true for all of us. I believe um, our higher self is always guiding us like that. And so many times we will ignore our, our guidance like you did at first you didn't listen to it right away and then eventually you listen and then wow you know that that I, I believe that's true for all of us we just so many times will let instead of listening to our heart we'll let our head get in the way and say oh no like your first thoughts was no nah, he's in the engineering field I don't want to send it to him that was your head <laughs> But your heart was saying, send it to him. <laughs> and when you close your heart, look what happened. Yeah. And you know what? That is such an important message for your listeners. Yes. Because we do that exactly what you said. We just want to stay in our head. Yes. Instead of opening at the heart level. Yes. And opening our consciousness you know through the heart is how we open and connect truly yes. with our consciousness and 
this uh, universal spirit or the all that is. Exactly. exactly. And so you have to bypass all that chatter. Exactly. And exactly. thank yes. God I received the message several times and, you know, I just, yes. okay, what am I doing? I need to follow this. I don't, I can't, you know, because you can't see all the details necessarily exactly. behind it. It's actually, and actually it's designed that way. We're not supposed to be able to see the detail. We're supposed to just kind of follow our heart guidance. And that's actually, there's a, I don't know if you ever heard of heart math. There's a, um, yes, yes heart math has proven how intelligent the heart is versus your brain. So the heart is much more intelligent. And when you follow your heart's guidance, it'll never steer you wrong. You know, well, we, right. we let that monkey mind get in the way. Yes. Well, and, and yeah. it's interesting that you, you bring that up about how strong the heart, uh, the, the love is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm currently working, uh, I'm putting together a workshop. I'll, I'll come back to that in just a minute. But mm -hmm. um, when I was looking up information to include in that, I, I came across how the heart um, your heart, the something about the electromagnetic um, field, field yes. is like, I don't know, a hundred times more yes. powerful than your mind. Yes. Something yes. like that. I, yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Very true. And yes. so um, toward the end of my book, I, I talk about what I have termed uh, the meld into spirit technique. Or mm, interesting and really I've just through recent years discovered this way to do this but I have found just quite uh, naturally mm -hmm. especially when I'm outside walking around in nature, nature yeah. uh, but you can really be anywhere to right. do this you can be in your office if you like but for me, I've always been a very outdoors kind of person. Yes. And so for me, it's not surprising, I guess, that it kind of naturally developed there. Mm -hmm. But this meld into spirit technique is basically a way where when, when you're just out walking around or, like I said, sitting at your desk or whatever, I don't really recommend you do this while you're driving or okay. running machinery. But right. you can just begin to let your mind um, begin to see things around you as though they're just meshing into each other, almost like blurring into each other mm. and imagining that in your mind's eye, seeing everything going yes. together and then kind of, you know, uh, moving out into the universe, right? seeing everything in the universe and and just letting everything become like particles of light mm -hmm. and then everything is then you are part of eventually this this, this light mm -hmm. and, and everything around you even while you're out walking around you're just feeling the right. oneness of yes. all that yes and but it really does have to start Rest with the heart yes with opening your heart, feeling the heart, and, and then, you know, and as you start this kind of blurring process or envisioning yeah. everything becoming one into each other, 
Yes. Uh, you know, your heart chakra becomes very warm. Mm -hmm. That's what happens to me anyway. Yes. You know, when I start into this, my heart chakra immediately mm -hmm. gets very warm. And then, you know, I begin this process. Yes. And that's where I then am one with the love and the universe yes. when I'm out doing whatever. Right. And so I mentioned that in the book and now I'm putting together a workshop about that because this is a way for people mm -hmm. to uh, be able to develop yes. a more natural way of connecting uh, with spirit and that universal consciousness and the heart yes. and opening to becoming one. Yes. But you're doing it in a way that you're still in your body, your life doing yes. whatever. Yes. And it just comes in. And then, you know, I've used that to in that mode when I'm feeling that, you know, then I I'm bringing up within me. Uh, ideas or, mm -hmm. or things I want to bring into my life right or need guidance on you know right. at that point then I can kind of bring bring those up for uh, into that realm yeah. of consciousness right and asking for guidance or help on that or right or right whatever. right so that's very cool yeah that's a cool I like that visualization of just visualizing everything especially out in nature because I'm a nature girl I love walking through the woods and sitting at the lake and my favorite thing is meditating at the lake and just watching the, the ripples on the lake and just it's just beautiful yeah and just melding everything into one and knowing that also including yourself into that melding and everything into one is beautiful Yes. Yes, and um, it's like I said. I, I mean, going aside and and uh, being quiet, and doing meditation. Yes. You know, that's that's great too. Yes. But my goal through this, I have found, is as I said, to enable people to mm -hmm. feel empowered to be able to do this wherever. Yes. They are. Yes. In, and once you get started into doing this process, it becomes easier and easier and faster to get into that space mm -hmm. uh, of just seeing in your mind's eye and feeling that heart chakra warm up when you first start into it. You really have to start there and then right. uh, expand out from there. But it um, not only does it get easier right. when you're doing that, but it it just becomes so much more powerful to you yes. to be in that space and realize that you can um, bring what you have in your life into that consciousness space right and and be open to guidance about yes. that and even after you're you're done with the you know the meld into spirit technique and you know, let's say you return to your house or whatever you've been out right. about. Um, you know, that power continues in you that has gone into your your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that enables you, the whole point of it, of course, because you are able to uh, 
I would say on a more regular kind of basis, more easily be in a framework or a frame of mind where you can connect with that consciousness. Right. Uh, that that helps your life go so much more smoothly, can bring in the ability for you to have intuition, guidance. Yes. Very um, true in a more natural way and that'll become more and more a part of you and that will all develop within you. Right. Right. That's Very the true. Whole point. Yes. That's the whole point. You know, of us to reach a point while we're here mm-hmm. of being a part of that oneness and understanding yes. that. Yes. While we're here, we don't have to wait till we transition <laughs> to feel that we can feel that here and now. And um, also when you were saying that, like you felt it when you were out of your body and I felt it the moment it was just an awakening within inside of me of the oneness. But like you said, we're still, we still, we still have our human bodies and we're still in this human realm and um, things can come up where not that we temporarily forget, because I think once you know it, you know it, but what like things can happen that you're like, takes you by surprise and can, try to pull you out of that knowing but what I do is take a step back I for me I take a deep breath and I take a step back and just taking a deep conscious breath will bring me back into that now moment and then every now moment is where we need to stay focused on the, that truth of oneness so it's good for me I say all the time on this show it's a moment to moment awakening not like you're awakened okay i'm awake <laughs> every moment <laughs> is another chance to be awake so and and to realize okay i'm one and no matter what's going on sometimes it can be craziness going on in your life you take a deep breath take a step back and and um allow sometimes just observe and allow you don't necessarily have to react to what's going on. You can just allow what's going on to happen and 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 surround every situation with love and light. Yes. So, yeah. That's so true. Uh, anyone and everyone who's here in this yes. life, you have those moments where, yes. you know, you're so much into the mind aspect yes. and the drama that can develop from things. Yes. And, you know, things do happen in our lives that that can be full of drama. Um, I try to remember to step back and look at those moments in terms of what is this trying to teach me? Exactly. And how do I get back to a sense of of the oneness and not be so personally drawn into this to the point I lose myself? Exactly. Although that still happens from time to time, you know, especially when it, it, especially when it's in relation to your family. Right. Right. You know, I've had a particularly uh, difficult family connection Mm -hmm. uh, that, which has always been been between my mother and I, Mm -hmm. and you know, even at the age I am and she's still alive. there are still issues right. that come up and I have to deal with. And, you know, more and more I've learned to step back 
mm-hmm. and get in a different space about that. Right. And, you know, because I just have to let those things go and be in a different perspective. About exactly. It. I, I like the word you use perspective, a different perspective. For me, my perspective on everything that happens uh, is my creation. Meaning even like say my relationship with everybody, it's my creation. So meaning from a higher perspective, um, I set up those relationships before I came into this, this embodiment. And I actually, as far as our parents, we choose our parents from spirit and we choose them for a particular reason. You, you chose your mother for exactly all the things that drive you crazy. That's exactly why you chose her. And, and it's, there's a beautiful book. There's a beautiful book called, um, it's a children's book, The Little Soul in the Sun. By the Little Soul in the Sun by Neil Donald Walsh. You could actually hear it read on YouTube. It's just a little children's book. But the Little Soul in the Sun explains how when we're in spirit, we actually ask other souls to do mean things to us while we're here to help us remember who we are, to help wake us up. Because it's those 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 people that drive us crazy and those situations that drive us crazy are those situations that help awaken us to remember who we truly are. <laughs> and that's so true. You know, yes. I, I go through yes. a sense yes. of negativity and like recount all the things that, uh, you know, she has yes. done to me or whatever. Yes. And, yes. you know, it does bring me back to the space of, yes you know what, all of those things you just mentioned. Yes. And, uh, and then you have to be grateful for the learning yes. that you're getting from that. Yes. And you have to, um, it's more than get over the hurt. Mm-hmm. It is that you have to completely let go of that hurt. And exactly. Again, that perspective, yes. looking at it as like, okay, well, this was done. This is what I learned. Right. I don't need to, I don't need to feel that hurt. Well, I have a great story for you. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Schwartz. He was my first uh, guest on this show almost five years ago. He wrote two books. He wrote um, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. And he shares a story um, that um, there was a lady whose mom, she had a very you know difficult relationship with her mom. And her mom is in hospice. And so the hospice calls and says, well, your mom not is not, you know, is getting close to the time of passing. So she comes to the hospice um, room and she's, so now it's like her mom is on her deathbed basically. And so she's holding in all this, you know, resentment. So she just lets her mom have it. You were this, you were the worst mom, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, now when a person's close to transitioning, they have one foot here and one foot there. So now since the mom is in between worlds, the mom just says to her, I only did what you asked me to do. So from spirit, the mom is saying, you asked me to be this way. 
when we were both in spirit, you asked me to do exactly what I did and I did it perfectly. I, I played that role because we are creating, we are the author, we are the right playwright, we are creating our reality and everybody in our reality is just doing what we ask them to do from a spiritual level. And I know it's very hard from the human perspective to get that. But when we understand that these people are just doing what we ask them to do, then it's automatic forgiveness because they're playing their role perfectly. They should get an Oscar, you know? <laughs> they're playing their role perfectly. They're doing exactly what we asked them to do. But I thought that was such a great story when the mom said, I only did what you asked me to do. And then she was gone. That is really a great story and something yeah. I will remember <laughs> moving forward <laughs> because, you know, it, it always comes back, the right. certain issues pop up and right. I think about them from the perspective of, you know, I'm the daughter, you're the mother, blah, right. blah, blah. and, you know, until I get back to that point where I'm like, yes. you know, I'm out of that uh, yes. viewpoint. And, and then I'm okay again, but yes, yes, you know, yes. it's, I actually dealing with people, right. That, part of that family or even very, anybody who's you consider close, close to you, yes. you're so much more on the edge of being hurt by things. Right. Right. I actually did this, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I actually wrote a list of everybody I felt had hurt me in my life. And I actually wrote thank you cards. Now I didn't send them all, but just writing, just to going through the motions of writing a thank you card to everyone I thought, I felt, and I say thought hurt me because in essence, they're, they're a part of me and I, they're only doing what I asked them to do. So I'm, I'm going from that spiritual perspective and I'm just saying, thank you for being you. That's all, you know, so I wrote and I wrote maybe about 35 thank you cards, maybe not that many, but, and I, and I actually sent some of them. I actually sent some of them. Some of them were, you know, people weren't still here in the physical, but it's just, it's, it's the very therapeutic to release that, to, to thank them for being who they are and releasing all that angst. So. That's a great idea. Yes. Because yes. just the act of writing it down. Yes. Gets it out of your head. Yes. Out of your consciousness. Yes. Uh, because then it's on paper and you yes. see it and it's not just going round and round up here. Exactly. So that, I mean, that's a really great idea. Yeah, uh, that people can can use. Right. Because uh, one of the things that I find is beautiful about about the oneness, when you really understand the oneness at its core, it's unconditional forgiveness and unconditional love. So under no conditions do we not forgive. Under no conditions do we not love. So it's it's because we understand it. Hey, it all comes back to we're all source energy. We're all divine and, exactly. and we're all here on, this is just really a play, a movie that we are creating. It's for our, our soul evolution. So it has a purpose, but in itself, it's not real. The play isn't real. 
the movie isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and you know, one of the one of the terms too I I use, uh, and and actually as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, yeah, I need to re to include this as part of my workshop that mm -hmm. I'm working on. Yes. But one of the messages I like to give to people too is about this conscientious consciousness. And that is, you know, when you're conscientious about something, you're careful, you're, you're diligent about remembering something, you're industrious, you're faithful. Yes. Um, conscientious, you know. I like that. There to do what you need to do, what you need to, to, to remember. And yes. then the consciousness, which of course is, you know, our quality, our state, of being aware yes especially of something within oneself yes the definition knowledge of one's own existence so when you are when you apply this idea of conscientious consciousness you know that is checking in with uh, you know regularly you know, yes checking in on these kinds of issues and things that come up for you exactly and conscientiously um, connecting mm -hmm. with your consciousness. Yes. So that you are looking at that and remembering to do that yes. in a faithful, diligent way because that is what is going to help you with every mm -hmm. kind of situation as you're pointing out. Yes. You know, remembering all these things. Uh, yes. Being able to get out of that space of anger or emotional things. Yes. Uh, that's the purpose of conscientious consciousness. I love that. That's <laughs> perfect. Very true. And that's what I actually have on my business card. Oh, I, I like that. Conscientious consciousness, and I have an emblem that was put on there. Okay. Um, and just as part of just yes. who I am, you know, expressing through this yes. book and what I'm working on for this yes. workshop. And, and it wasn't Shakespeare, I'm not sure who says it, um, it might be in the Bible, know thyself. That Absolutely. is, know, when you know thyself. And I love that you said, I loved it when you shared, when you were sharing your out-of-body experience with your brother, um, which was so beautiful. I love that you said you knew everything and the thing is when we know ourselves as divine as source we know we have access to all knowledge the um they're called the akashic records which we can pull a book from any time any knowledge when we know ourselves as source we understand that we have access to all knowledge so i love that you have shared that so yeah, definitely. And when we're, uh, it's it's it's. I believe that humanity is truly awakening, and we are living in some amazing times. And we actually planned it. We planned to be here right now, doing exactly what we're doing to help uh, inspire. I always say inspire because I never call myself a teacher or a guru. I, all I can do is inspire another person to go within and tap into that truth with, which is inside of them because that's where truth comes from. It comes from within us, each of us. And so 
my mission is just to try to inspire everyone to go in, tap inside the truth within them, and then bring that out into the world, bring that light out into the world. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this has been so many. Please, Paula. Oh. This is, it's, I just love, love these chats. <laughs> I just love these conversations. Please share with our listeners how they can find you. And again, I, I said diving. I, don't know, I love the swim. I said diving into infinity. And you're right. You were driving. <laughs> you were driving your brother's truck. So you were driving into infinity, which is great. Well, that's okay. Yes. I, and, you know, I mean, my brother was driving when he was killed. He, killed right, he, right. When he transitioned. Driving yeah. to the side of a train that come, came out from these wooded areas. And mm -hmm. then I, I was driving his truck. His truck. Yes. So, yeah, I just determined that was an appropriate title no that's perfect i don't know i was thinking of diving but but no driving is perfect <laughs> that's perfect i love that yes my i don't know if you're aware my son also transitioned um five years ago he was 29 oh, okay. yeah he was 29 when he transitioned yeah i i i i had the inspiration to start this show about six months after my son's transition oh. But I've had much, much contact. I haven't had an outer body experience, but um, I have his voice on tape from spirit oh, and wow. several images of him from spirit with Sonia Rinaldi, who is a researcher in Brazil. He has come to her several times and I actually have his image from spirit and his voice from spirit. So, wow. yeah. Well, and you know, in recent, times I have now been able to actually hear my brother's voice. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, so that's been also uh, kind of an additional recent change. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's important to, I think, for people to realize when someone has transitioned on that they need to be more um, mindful of the kinds of things that are happening around them yes. or maybe something that they hear. Um, yes. And I did actually see one more time my brother, uh, again, this was probably just a couple of months after his passing, but I, at my house, I had walked out of the master bedroom and glance it was a very just just a glance right. into uh, the living room area and I saw my brother yeah. uh, standing there at the stereo cabinet he used to fiddle around with that and put all this stuff and I saw him standing there just like he was dressed when he was in life here yes and you know instantly it was gone but it was only an instant that I yeah. saw but yes. you know to this day I still see it perfectly clearly Yes. And yes. you just never know. Yeah. Well, it's so true what you say. Our loved ones totally are still with us and they don't want us to be sad. They don't want us to grieve. And when you know, see, I have so much joy in my heart because he's my, my son has said he's the co-host of this show. So whenever I'm doing a show, he's right there with me. Um, so <laughs> our loved ones, they want us to smile. They want us to be happy. They want us to know they're not gone. 
and they truly aren't. They're, they're right here with us. But please share, share how our listeners can get in touch with you and find you. Okay, well, I do have a website. Uh, it's a little bit of a long website address, but uh, basically it's Paula Lenz, all one word, dot Wixite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. Mm-hmm. And then another forward slash Paula Lenz. Okay. And so that will take you to my website. The very first page gives you more information about the book. Okay. And I also have some other tabs at the top. There's a, um, a blog tab at the top. And um, I do include there whenever I do an interview podcast. And yes. uh, from when I went to, you know, IANS conference and right. I've been on the IANS radio and, and things of that nature. So, right. uh, you know, there's a lot, lot of information there. And awesome. there's an email provided there too if people want to email me. So, okay. All right. Well, I definitely, what I do is I write a blog for each of my shows and I'll have all those links available for everyone to find you. And I do okay. try to put links on our you know, mentions on Facebook and LinkedIn, right? Facebook page and uh, LinkedIn. So, so yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. And I hope to see you next year at Salt Lake City, in Salt Lake City, at the next IONS conference, which is amazing. I went to my first one this year. You spoke last year. So I hope that we both will run into each other next year. Yes. Yes. And I have one more comment I have to say to you. When you mentioned Know Thyself, I have that in my book. Oh. When I'm kind of recounting, you know, this whole experience, and uh, one of the things that I find is so important, and that I say in the book, is the idea of know thyself. Yes. To be that that whole idea of who we are, and so when you said that, I yes. just wanted to reiterate the yes, point that yes. you made on that. Yeah, it so is so important. So true. Most people don't take time to know themselves, not really. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so again, true. Caroline. Thank you, awesome. Paula. This has been amazing, and we will definitely stay in touch. Thank you yes. so much. Thank so much you. love. All thank right. you. Right.